Hi there, Hello PhD listeners. Our next episode is a big milestone for us, episode 200. Dan and I can't believe we made it this far. We're working on a special episode for number 200, but in the meantime, we thought it would be fun to share our 100th episode from September 2018, where we hosted a virtual party for some of our favorite guests from the first 100 episodes. Having a virtual party was pretty innovative stuff back in 2018, by the way. Um, Also, this is definitely the episode with the most sound effects, in case you're interested in that. I also wanted to say that Dan and I will be attending the Society for Neuroscience SFN Neuroscience 2023 conference in Washington, D.C. We will be there on Sunday, November 12th and Monday, November 13th, 2023 at the Promega booth from noon to 3 p.m. each day. If you're going to be at SFN, come by and say hello. We would love to talk to you. That's all for now. We hope you enjoy our last milestone of episode 100 and hope you look forward to episode 200, which will be coming to your podcast feed very soon. Enjoy. This episode of Hello PhD is sponsored by Promega and listeners like you. Thanks for your support. Well, I probably listened to more Hello PhD episodes than I have this American Life, so... <laughs> Thank you for just taking time out of your day to listen to this show. Welcome to Hello PhD, a podcast for scientists and the people who love them. This week, it's party time. We celebrate with some of our favorite guests from the last three years. Stay with us. And we're back. This is Hello PhD, episode 100. I'm Joshua Hall. And I'm Daniel Arneman. And we'll discuss the human side of science and life in the lab. Episode 100, Dan. I think it's hilarious to think about the fact that you have now said, and we're back, 100 times. 100 times. And I said, I think just randomly, and we're back. <laughs> oh, in episode one? I, I think so. Actually, I don't Nobody know. Nobody listens that far back, so yeah, it doesn't actually, matter. Uh, please don't Un- go back. Unprovable. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were listening to an older episode just a few minutes ago, because we were trying to remember the last time we had champagne, foreshadowing. Spoiler alert, yeah. And it was episode three, by the way. So low energy. (laughs) (laughs) We're very excited this week to be with you. So excited about this episode. Giddy with excitement. (laughs) (laughs) But Dan, I'm really, truly excited. Today we're actually excited. Yes. As you mentioned, Josh, I found us a tiny, tiny, tiny bottle of champagne. It's not so tiny. Well, it's a, it's a half bottle size. I didn't think we should probably go crazy and get a full bottle size, but uh, I have for us the Guy Larmandier Cremant Grand Cru Champagne Brut Blanc de Blanc. I saw Did I, I say that right? Uh, well, I saw it and I was curious if you were going to say Guy or Guy. Well, it's got to be Guy, right? I think it's Guy. Yeah. My, my wife's family is French Canadian. She has an uncle Guy, so I think this is the correct way of saying this. Well, let's pop into the stand. As I just you said... You going to do it or am I? I'm going to move my laptop out of the way. Right. As I just said, this is the first time we've had champagne on the episode since episode three. And the reason this is exciting, I think we both had champagne during our graduate training, but it's extraordinarily rare, right? I mean, I had it, I think, at my defense and maybe one other person's defense. Yeah, it seems to be, I don't want to say customary, but not unusual at your defense party for the PI to possibly spring for a bottle of of champagne. Probably not as nice as this bottle of 
half bottle of champagne, really. Dan, you're, I saw the price tag. right in my eye. Please stop that. I saw the price tag on this, Dan. This is, uh, this more is than we. Nice. This is more than we've probably spent on the entire ethanol section for three years yeah no, yeah seriously this is uh this is pretty nice don't point it at my eye well you can okay. go look it up it's not it's not totally extravagant but if we're gonna do it we're gonna do it right small amount and see yeah. see what because most people i don't think really like champagne you know i don't yeah so i figured we would try it the way it's supposed to be tried i, I want to say dan i'm actually really excited that this is this is actually champagne this is not sparkling wine from yeah, somewhere not, else. Even at my wedding, I didn't have champagne. We had like Prosecco, which is more drinkable because it's sweet. This Actually, I want to go out on Would a you limb. open the bottle so we can... I just say, I don't know if I've ever had real champagne. Like actual champagne from champagne. You, you must have. I don't know. Well, today's your day. All right, I'm excited. Today is the second time or the fifth. And just to be clear, this is actually the first time we've had champagne because we had sparkling wine. Yeah, we had probably time. something else. Okay, well, I'm going to open it. Nice. All right, it smells good. You've got the... Uh, what is the, the little fog the theme? The mist, the champagne fog. So do you pour champagne like a beer? You tilt the glass. I then, probably uh, would. You may want to pick that up. Yeah. Okay. I don't I want, know how much is going to bubble. I want to say, Dan, just to, just so our listeners in their mind's eye can, can visualize this. This is uh this is our wedding crystal. <laughs> Not ours, yours and mine. <laughs> my wife, my wife and mine. Yeah, I was. I'm pleased that you actually have champagne flutes. I thought we were gonna. Well, this is the, this, this is of, the second time in 2018 these flutes have been used. You can probably guess the first time. Yeah, New Year's. That's right. Okay, fantastic. All right, Dan, we've got it poured. Cheers to 100 episodes of Hello PhD and the next hundred. Cheers. Surprisingly good. It's good. It has a, a richness to it in a good way. It's so. a little bit sweet. It's not as cold as I think it should be. Well, that's because you got here about half an hour ago and, and set it on the desk. Yeah, I, I like this quite a bit. It's I, I get a little bit of sweetness out of it, and it doesn't. I, I've had champagne that tastes more earthy and very dry, and I think this is nicer. I'm glad I spent extra money on it, Josh. Well, I'm glad. Uh, yeah, it's not overly dry, and and the bubbles have a softness to them. You know, they're not this uh, harsh, biting carbonation that you sometimes get. Tiny bubbles, as they say. Well, Dan, this is just the warm-up because we're getting ready for a party. Excellent. I love parties. And there's going to be lots of surprises, Dan. You don't know this, but I've invited a bunch of friends over to join us in the studio tonight. Okay. Well, hopefully we have enough room for everybody. I mean, I think it's a fun idea. You sent out the invitations earlier in the week? Yeah, sent the invitations out to far and wide. I mean, we'll see who shows up. I sent a bunch of invitations okay. to some of our friends of the show, and who knows who will show up. But before they get here, I did want to mention, Dan, that we had a new Patreon patron this week. Oh, excellent. want to say a special thank you to My Lynn. Thank you, My Lynn. And Josh, did you know that we also got a message from our friends at Promega this week? Let's take a listen. Hey, I'm Ray, a research scientist at Promega. And I'm Matt, also a research scientist at Promega. We're both from the Integrated Biology Group in R&D, and we both work on target engagement assays. We just wanted to say congratulations to Josh and Dan on reaching 100 episodes. That's a fantastic achievement. You guys have done an incredible job sharing important ideas about the challenges we face as scientists. I remember my time in grad school, and a lot of these episodes are still relatable today. At Promego, we're really excited about everything you've accomplished and cannot wait to hear the next 100 episodes about life inside and outside the lab. And completely off the record, we love the beer recommendations. <laughs> Keep them coming. Anyway, congratulations, Josh and Dan, from all of us here at Promega. And everyone, don't forget to check out www.promega.com hellopcr to register for our September 11th webinar on successful PCR every time. Well, that was certainly nice. 
that was nice. They took time out of their busy schedules uh, to wish us well, and I thought that was pretty pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that's a. Did you ever think we would actually have a sponsor on the show when we started out? No, no, me neither. It, you know, we we put a lot of thought into that, and and Promega, they've been a good partner. Really, really fortunate to have them on the Hello PhD team. Josh, I think I heard a car door slam out front. You check. Oh, let's look. Oh, yeah, there's the door. Let's see who it is. Oh, it's Emily Roberts from Personal Finance for PhDs. Hey, Emily. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for inviting me over. Well, you're practically a, uh, you're such a frequent guest on the show that you had to be the first one here. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the friends arrive the earliest, right? That's exactly right. They help you also clean up afterwards. Are you going to stay for that? <laughs> I would be happy to. You know, I, I think I may just move in with you guys. I really miss how much space you all have here in North Carolina. It is a beautiful area. Um, tell us what you brought. What kind of tip did you bring for uh, our listeners? Well, first of all, I brought deviled eggs, which is kind of my specialty for potlucks. Ooh, very Southern. Fantastic. Love it. Do you put the, yeah. it looks like you have the paprika on the top. Oh, of course. You can't make it without the paprika. I have to warn you, though, they have a little bit of a bite because I'm pretty heavy-handed with the vinegar. Uh, it works for me. works for me, too. Yeah. And, hey, frugal dish, right? That's, That's true. true. You, you <laughs> can get a dozen eggs for an incredibly small amount of money. <laughs> that, that is totally yeah. true. The worst part of deviled eggs is peeling the eggs. Oh, and I've, I've already done that for you. So there you go. Can you give us a tip for the best way to peel eggs? Uh, you know, I have my husband do it. There you <laughs> go. There's tip. the tip. Just recruit someone else. <laughs> Delegation is an important part of time management. I think we've a talked sous about chef that. is basically the, <laughs> the response. A sous chef can be very expensive. So not if you're married to them. That's true. <laughs> so Emily, what else did you bring for our our guests of the party? Okay, well, I brought an oldie but a goodie, which is to track your spending and to budget because this is really a foundational strategy um, that underlies pretty much everything that you're going to do in your finances. Um, Tracking your spending will actually help you change your behavior kind of passively, just like knowing that someone's watching, even if that someone is you, it's going to help keep you, you know, in line with your goals. And then to budget really, you know, some people have negative connotations with the word budget, but it's just a spending plan. It's just a prediction of what's going to happen in the future. And what I really want to emphasize for graduate students um, is that they should keep an eye on their irregular expenses. And we did a whole episode on this, right? It's yeah, Dan, episode what, what episode, episode 68? You're on it. I was going to get Dan to look yeah. that up. But Emily, we have people to look those things up here. I'm those people. I'm the sous chef in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> You're the sous chef of Hello PhD. It's so true awesome. in so many ways. <laughs> yeah, so we did a whole episode on this. But basically just those irregular expenses are the expenses that come up like one time a year or a couple times a year. They may be large. They may totally like derail your budget. So just spend some time thinking about what those might be over the course of the next year. And hey, for the beginning of the school year, fellows, you need to think about your taxes, quarterly estimated tax payments. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Emily, do you have a favorite expense tracking method? I don't know if we've talked about it with you before. uh, And I know there are a lot of programs and, and ways to do it. Do you have a favorite? Uh, 
well, I think my favorite is my own Excel spreadsheets. Honestly, like um, I, I do use Mint. I've been using Mint for a super long time, but I don't use it so much for budgeting anymore. I really use that for the tracking, and then I do the budgeting in my own spreadsheet. So, um, if you can create or maybe find a template that you really like, it's so easy to customize with your own own spreadsheets. But if you're looking for a done for you solution, Mint is excellent. Um, and you need a budget is excellent. Yeah, and I believe uh, you need a budget at some point uh, became free or very cheap for students with an EDU email address. Do you know if that's still the case? I believe that it's true for the first year. Okay. The last time I checked, that was the case. That could be right. Well, that that all sounds really great. Emily, where, where can people find you? Because I know you really devote a lot of your time and energy to helping grad students, particularly survive and thrive as far as their finances go during grad school. So where can everybody find you and what are you up to these days? Yeah, the best place to find me is my website, pfforphds.com. That's personal finance, pfforphds.com. And, you know, tons of articles there. You have my social media, you know, links, uh, my email, whatever way is best for you to reach me. Yeah, and we certainly recommend if you want to hear about a lot of the great info Emily has given on our show, if you go to our website and just type Emily Roberts into the search bar, you'll pull three episodes up right there. Yeah, so nicely, nicely evenly spaced, Emily. You were episode 33 where we talked about uh, what graduate students and postdocs need to know about taxes. Then we did episode 68 where we were talking about targeted savings accounts for regular expenses. And then episode 89, uh, what grad students need to think about when investing for retirement. That's something that many grad students don't think about, and they should, because the time value of money. Totally agree. And Emily, you've been a guest in our studio so many times, I think it's only appropriate that at some point soon we come be a guest at your place. Oh, I would be delighted. Yep. Just launched my own podcast, Personal Finance for PhDs, same brand name. Uh, Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, so for our listeners who want to go deeper to understand uh, all of the aspects of finance, and you've already got your, your earbuds in while you're in the tissue culture hood, go check out that podcast. Well, Emily, uh, don't feel like you have to leave. Go ahead and run into the party. You can go sit down your, your deviled eggs and uh, grab a beer and make yourself at home. Yeah, I'm so excited to meet your other guests today. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Dan, you know, while we were talking to Emily... Looks like lots of guests have started arriving. I should have gotten more than the tiny bottle of champagne, Josh. You well, didn't tell me we were having so many people. Well, I think our guests know us pretty well. I've seen most people walking in carrying some beer. It's graduate school. Everybody can have like one Dixie cup full, right? That's right. Well, I've seen lots of, it looks like postdocs and grad students coming in. Uh, oh, wait, there's the door again. Let's see who it is. Oh, look, Dan, it's our friend Randy Robato. Randy, thanks for stopping by to help us celebrate our 100th episode. Yeah, I'm glad to be back with you guys. And Randy brought a guest, it sounds like. Yeah, you brought a guest to the party. Who do you have with you, Randy? Yeah, so I've got uh, my business partner, Larry Petkovic. Um, Larry's the other half of the Randy and Larry show when we go to um, the various, I don't know, 100 or so institutions across the U.S. doing our Psy PhD thing. Um, yeah, it's the Randy and Larry show. So we're lucky we got Larry here with me today. Well, Randy, I want to say we got so much great feedback from your episode, The Insider's Guide to Industry. Dan, what episode was that? 79, Josh. You don't remember each individual <laughs> episode? Well, and, and you looked it up. That was almost exactly a year ago. And I know our listeners learned a lot, but you really changed a lot of the ways that I thought about industry and the transition in mindset from academia to industry. But Randy, I was wondering, what what did you bring with you? What kind of uh, 
what kind of uh, tidbits or guidance or wisdom did you bring for our grad students today? Well, I think um, if we had to put it in a nutshell, right, I think that people should be thinking about in terms of developing their career, that their PhD is not just training them as a technical expert, right? That a PhD really is a problem solver. And at the end of the day, professional organizations need people to solve problems and be able to do that independently. And I think that the the real missed opportunity for a lot of scientists is that they they don't necessarily take advantage of the incredible experiences that they have in solving problems, managing risk, and delivering uh, reliable results, which is really what companies are looking for. They, they tend to focus just on their technical accomplishments, which is only one of the things that companies really look for. Randy, and that's the thing that has stuck with me, and we've, we've talked about it repeatedly after our interview with you a year ago. The, the scientists that we're, we're speaking to, the trainees, are doing... Uh, a lot of important work that a company will value, but they're talking about it in the wrong way. And you talked a lot in that episode about the language barrier that, um, yes, I'm doing three replicates of my experiment, but I'm also doing quality control. So making that translation, I think, has been really important. And I encourage people to go back to episode 79 uh, to, to learn more about that. Larry, do you have any advice to share? You're, you're in the same, uh, business. What are, what are trainees missing? Well, I think the other thing, in addition to being problem solver in today's world, there you are really also data analyst, and that so whole true. data game, the data game is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger, and so in many ways uh, you have an advantage because you have experience already with working with data. When you go into that first job, a lot of folks don't, and I think even you know the more you can do around um, being able to in some way to, sh- to demonstrate your competency in the data area really brings beyond the first job that brings a lot of additional career value you can bring to the institution for that second third and fourth job so, and isn't so glass, don't downplay that didn't glass door list uh, yeah. data scientists right as the number one job in america for the last i don't know at least two or three years yeah starting at about one 110 115 grand yeah, a year yeah, yeah. you feel so like that you feel like that data focus is new um, based on your experience over the last few years? I don't think it's new. It's just Probably. that, you know, ev- analytics are huge. It used to be, you know, in the actuarial fields for insurance and those sort of things. But Moneyball is using analytics. Look at baseball, right? They're looking at analytics for everything. Analytics are being used for politics. Analytics are being used for virtually every aspect of what you'd call performance metrics, right? Figuring out what things are efficient, what things aren't. And scientists are really skilled at analyzing large data sets and drawing inferences from those. So that's something that they, it's another example of using a language that they don't use oftentimes, a business language, to demonstrate things that they do on a daily basis. It has real value. I think that's what's so cool about what you all, the service you all provide for trainees is you, one, you open their eyes to this world because sometimes I think the downside of PhD training is you keep your eyes to the bench and you don't know about this whole world (laughs) that's going on out there uh, that you're going to step into after the PhD. And I think that's so valuable what you all are, are providing. Yeah. So tell everybody where, tell everybody where they can find you online. And I know you travel a lot. Where will you be in the next few months so that if we have listeners at those places, they can go sign up. (laughs) Okay. 
So um, online, we're www.scipHD.com. That's S-C-I, like science, PhD.com. Uh, let's see, Larry and I are heading out to the West Coast uh, next week. We're going to be at Life Science Washington for a full-day program there, talking about what we just said, the business of science, as well as uh, project management, developing your people, which is how to mentor and, and manage people, and then uh, team performance. So yeah. how do you... How do you do continuous improvement? So we'll be there, and then we're going right from there to the Bay Area Postdoc Symposium, sponsored by Sandia Labs, that'll be at Berkeley. Uh, after that, I'm heading up to Rochester, University of Rochester Medical Center on the 13th. Then we're going to Penn. Uh, Larry will be at Sapa. Then I'm going up to Syracuse and Upstate the end of September. And then we're doing a big, huge boot camp at Emory, in October, it's a two-day program, and then we're going out to UC Irvine in uh, the end of October for a three-day certificate program. So, yeah, so there's a lot going on. Your frequent flyer miles are off the charts. <laughs> yeah, it's great because I we're you know, I just flew my whole family to Puerto Vallarta for a week-long vacation. <laughs> I, use, I use frequent flyer miles to pull it all up. Simon, so are you are you adopting? I'm ready. <laughs> We can talk. <laughs> okay, we'll talk. Well, th- yeah, thank you, thank you all for stopping by. Uh, it's been really great to catch up. And uh, what what's your uh, what's your go to party food and drink? So I'm moving away from IPAs into red ales. I think red ales are getting really. My daughter actually turned me on to those. My go to food, I got one of those. Um, I got one of those pressure cooker type things. Oh, the instant and I'm pot. Just starting the instant to play pot. With, I, yeah, that kind of, I'm not sure if that's the brand, but yeah, it's pretty amazing. You can cook, I cooked a, a pork dinner, a pork roast dinner for my family that took me about 40 minutes. It was pretty incredible. And I had a red IP, a, a red ale with that, and it was awesome. <laughs> Living the dream. Just send over those Living adoption the papers, I'll be over immediately. <laughs> Go for it. Well, Larry, Randy, it's been awesome talking to you. Thanks for stopping by, and, and we will catch up with you again sometime soon. We will do it. Bye-bye. It was so good to see Randy again, and I'm, I'm happy he brought a friend. Uh, we'll have to talk to them again when we have a little bit more time. But it sounds like the door again. Oh, this is like a constant flow, Dan. It's it, I can't believe you could get this many people into the space. The All right, studio well, is packed. Let's we'll, we'll see who it is. Oh, oh it's Monica Filiu Mohair from iBiology and Ciencia Puerto Rico. Hi, Monica. Hi. So thanks for coming over. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we are glad to have you at our party to celebrate 100 episodes. Happy 100 episodes. Thank you. Thank you. So it looks like you uh, you have brought something to the party. What do you have with yeah. you? Well, I actually brought two things. Um, I brought a cheese flan. So this is, it's kind of like a custard that we have in Puerto Rico. So I'm from Puerto Rico and it's one of my favorite desserts. Um, but I also brought, so I brought something sweet and I brought something savory. Um, I brought tostones, which are oh, I've had those. fried green plantains. And it's one of my favorite sides to eat with, really with anything or even on their own. So I brought two things. But we have to, um, I fried them once already, but we have to do the second fry so that they're fresh and crispy now. Well. I will get some. I will get some hot oil going in the other room. While That's I do fun. that, uh, why don't you tell Dan about a tip that you brought for uh, for the grad students at the party? Yeah. So I was thinking about this, and I mean, there's so many things. I was thinking, you know, what 
what things I wish I'd known when I was a grad student, and there are many, many things, but um, I think the one that thing that came to the top of my mind was the importance of having multiple mentors. Um, this was something that I didn't always know as a student. And, um, you know, it's, it's really important to have multiple people in your life and in your both your personal and, and professional life that can advise you in you know the different things that you're interested in the different things that are important and valuable to you so i think that would be my one piece of advice have multiple mentors and be proactive about getting them yeah how do you identify those people in your life how do you know that this is the mentor i want for career and this is the one i want for the research i'm doing so what I usually tell my students is that, you know, it's important to be proactive and to know what you want, because if you do so, then you can do one of two things. You can go out and get people. So, for example, let's say that, you know, when I was thinking about making the transition from being a researcher to being a science communicator, I needed mentors in science communication because I knew that was the career I wanted to pursue. And so I was able, because I knew that, I was able to go and get those mentors, find those people that were doing things that I was interested in so that they could talk to me and that, you know, they could provide me with advice. You have to have you have to have a goal laid out so you can see the gap and you need a mentor to help fill exactly. that gap. Yeah, it makes yes. sense. It's not just finding people that seem nice. Yes. I mean, nice people are good. Um, nice people are usually make good mentors. Um, but yeah, it is important that as a student, as a mentee, you know, you know, you define what goals you have so that then you can either go get those people or if you are in a situation like in a conference or even in, in a social setting and you're talking to someone and that person says something or you discover that you have something in common with them, you can be ready. Maybe you're not looking for that person. You didn't set out for that person to become your mentor. But as you're having a conversation, you're ready to snag the opportunity to be like, hey, you know, I, I'm looking for a mentor in this thing. Would you be willing to sit down and have a coffee with me? Or, you know, can we have a 30-minute phone chat about this thing that I need mentoring in? That's great because you answered my second question, which is how do you ask people to be your mentor? And you just said it. <laughs> I think a lot of people are really willing to help. Um, so, you know, you, you just have to ask. I think being really honest about why you're interested in, in what, what they're doing and, you know, how you think that they can help you and, and also how you think that you can help them. Um, you know, mentoring is a two-way relationship. And as a mentor, I learn a lot from, from my, my mentees. And so, you know, you, you, can off, you have a lot to offer as, as a mentee. And, you know, sometimes people will say no often because they just don't have time. But if somebody says, listen, I don't have, I really unfortunately don't have time, then you can ask them, well, can you recommend someone else? Hey guys, I'm back. I got the oil going. Uh, I had peanut oil. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Great. It's just what I had laying around. I finished the flan. It was delicious. There's no more? <laughs> What'd she bring? One serving? <laughs> no, I just ate a lot. <laughs> You just ate it all. Hey, Monica, uh, before you go on up and join the party, I wanted to ask, uh, make sure everybody knew where they can find you online and if there's anything new and exciting going on with any of your projects with iBiology or Ciencia Puerto Rico. 
Oh, um, so uh, you can find me online. Probably Twitter is the best option. So I am at Mo Faliu at on Twitter. So it's M O E F E L I U. Um, and let's see what's exciting. Well, with Ciencia Puerto Rico, we just launched our flagship science education project where we're bringing together teachers and scientists so that they can co-create uh, lessons for middle school students to make science exciting and relevant to, to the students' lives. So, well, that's exciting. And then with iBiology, um, we have our background to breakthrough videos. So this is a series that I've been producing for a while um, that features scientists from underrepresented backgrounds and explores how their life experiences and their background informs the, the science and the innovations that they do. And those videos are out and people can find them on the iBiology website. We're going to throw up a link to that in the show notes, but also um, we've got a new resources page on the website, and I would love to fill it with amazing resources. It sounds like a good one to add. Ooh, awesome. That's exciting. Yes, I can send you things. Excellent. All right, Monica. Well, it's been great talking to you. We'll, we'll yeah. see you in just a few, and if you could go check on those tostones to make sure my house isn't burning down, that'd be great. I will go do that. This has certainly been a cool trip down memory lane to reconnect with a lot of these guests. I totally agree with you. Um, I see somebody I recognize, Josh, but not in this normal context. This is... Dan, I think this is one of our super surprise secret guests. Yeah, uh, is that Doug Largent? Come on in, Doug. It's Doug Largent from the Doug Largent Trio, most well-known for our theme music. And by most well-known, you mean by you and me. Well, yeah, and our listeners. Yeah, fair enough. Hey there, Doug. Thanks for coming over and helping us celebrate our 100th episode of Hello PhD. Thanks. I'm glad to be here, and congratulations. Would you say the biggest accomplishment of your music career is being the intro music of a podcast? <laughs> you know, it ranks. It really does rank up there among things I'm proud of doing. You are, you are being way too generous. I have a friend who composes music for uh, for This American Life, so I feel oh, like wow. I'm on that same level. <laughs> so, so we are so we are basically um, one step removed from This American Life, is what you're saying. Yeah. By well, proxy. I probably listen to more Hello PhD episodes than I have This American Life. So, <laughs> you're a good man, Doug. So, tell us a little bit about and Dan, you can jump in. Um, so, Doug, I think I've met you just once or twice at a show, but I think our listeners who know this theme music very, very well, because it's how it opens every show of Hello PhD. Dan, actually, why don't you talk, jump into how this happened, how we landed on Doug's music for our theme song. Yeah, well, I have been a, a big jazz fan for a long time, and uh, Doug leads a trio, and uh, that trio has Doug on the Hammond organ, and then typically a, a jazz guitar and then some drums. And I knew the guitarist. That's, in, in fact, how I heard about your band. Uh, so we went out to a show. I think we've been to a couple of them, Josh. But, um, you know, Doug had CDs available. So we bought some CDs, took them home. And I, was, I put it in the car CD player. And this song, I think, is the first one on the album. It's track one. Track one. Uh, and, and tell us about the tune, uh, Doug. But I heard it and I was like... That is an amazing song, and when we were thinking about the podcast, I thought this is how we've got to start it. Yeah, that would be awesome, Doug. Tell us, tell us your thoughts on on the the tune that we used. 
high and low, which I thought was appropriate for for our theme as well. Yeah, it's actually it's actually a cover version of an old song by Babyface Willet, who was this amazing jazz organist who put out three records, and then right as he was at the tip top of his fame making records for Blue Note, he quit to become a hairdresser. He, why? So it's, and I just I don't but I just love I don't know why I love stories like that because. It just makes his music more precious because there's so little of it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities between what we talk about with science careers. We have people who leave grad school to go do other cool stuff that they're passionate about. That's really well, interesting. Well, and it has highs and lows. The high low is just sort of an oddball song. Uh, it's on, it was on an old record. I don't think anybody knows, barely anybody knows about Babyface Willet or that song. But we, we just fell in love with it and decided to do it and decided to record it. Hey, uh... A random assortment of science PhDs now know the song very well. <laughs> yeah, how did, how did you come across it? Did you have an old album, or were you on Spotify? How did you find it? Well, uh, Brad Maiani, the guitar player that I play with, is a, he's a musicologist, and he digs so deep into music, like when he's into something. He, he knows how to do research and finds... Uh, super obscure recordings, and uh, and like he, he wrote his his PhD dissertation on you know church music from a thousand years ago, and so it was almost it's really hard to find out find information about that. But Covering everything from then to a, now, about right? hundred page PhD <laughs> paper on it, and it's fascinating. That is but, fascinating. It's a diff- different world than we come from, sort of, but the same kind of intense passion for a very tiny subject, right? Uh, Doug, tell people where they can find out more about uh, the trio, about where you're playing, and about the band. Sure. You can look at my website, uh, douglargent.com. And I'd like to also mention I've been working on uh, an album with Joe Gore uh, with a bunch of songs that she wrote. And that's going to be super great. And I think her, you can just, I don't know her website, but you can Google her name, J-O-G-O-R-E. And... Uh, and we've got a link to DougLargent.com in our About page that has been there forever. But we'll put a link up in the show notes today to uh, we'll find her website, and then we will put another link to your website. And I really encourage people. You play all around the Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina area. So if you get a chance, either uh, book Doug's trio for your next event, or go out and see him. He's he's all over town. Yeah, they're fantastic. And let us know when that album comes out. We'll be sure to plug it on the show. Okay, I will. Thank you. Thanks for stopping by, Doug. It was good talking to you, and thanks again for uh, sharing your music with us. Sure, I'll talk to you, I'll talk to you on the 200th episode. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Hold your breath. Okay. Stand by. All right. <laughs> Dan, Doug is such an unbelievably nice guy. I think, I think that's only the second time I've talked to him. I think we, we met after a show one time, but he's so nice. And an amazing musician. I'm definitely going to check out that album he was talking about as soon as it comes out. Oh. There's the doorbell again. Dan, do you mind grabbing it this time? Oh, it's Dar Wilson Grant from uh, way back in episode 27, where we talked about stepping off the tender track. Hey, Dara. Hey. How are you, Dara? I'm doing well. How about you? Good. It's been a while. I think you were many, many episodes ago. Yeah, it does feel like a long time. And then it also feels like yesterday. I know. I know. <laughs> That's totally right. Uh, oh, I see, uh, I see you brought something with you today. I did. So um, here's the long-winded of what I brought. So I recently found out how easy it is to make your own hummus. 
Oh, really? Yeah, so I've been experimenting with my own little hummus recipes, and so today I brought black-eyed pea hummus. Oh, that sounds great. Be good, uh, good New Year's Day dish. Yeah. Too, <laughs> <laughs> what, do, what do you like with your hummus? Uh, I like carrots with my hummus and pita chips, of course. Very healthy, very healthy. Well, that's good. I and think. I'm so not a healthy person. <laughs> Well, that that is fantastic. I bet you also have something very uh, nutritious for our grad students' career as well. Yeah. Not to sound cliche, but I think if I were to um, provide a word of wisdom for graduate students, I would say to not get so caught up in making the wrong decision, right? I think that sometimes... We get so afraid of making the wrong decision that it prevents us from making any decision at all, and it really gets in the way of us moving forward. Um, But I want you to know that no decision is final. You can always make an adjustment. You can always change course. In fact, I think you should look at career decisions the same way you look at your research, right? You have this idea. You think that this is a great idea. You think it might work. And what do you do? You do your research, right? You do your lit review. You read up on it. Um, If you're not finding the information out there in the literature, you find experts in the field and you talk to them and you get their inside advice and you get their perspective. From there, you just kind of dive in. And if it works out well, awesome, great. If it doesn't work out well, then you troubleshoot. You kind of reevaluate where you are in the process. You make some adjustments. And if it still doesn't work, then you change course. And it's the same thing. And so, you know, just don't be afraid to make a decision. The only bad decision is when you decide to stay in something when it no longer fits. That's a bad decision. Yeah, that takes so much pressure off, I think, when you kind of free yourself up to this isn't the last decision I'll ever make. Exactly. I mean, I think life in general is literally a series of decisions, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You're constantly transitioning from one phase to another. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is really no different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I say the... So from your episode, the one piece of advice you gave during that conversation that Dan and I have used over and over and over again and have referred back to is that feeling that you get sometimes when you're in in the wrong thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and and something great happens to you, but it doesn't leave you feeling great. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's so so wise and something we've returned to so many times, but um, and that's why I invited you to the party. Well, thank you for inviting me. I can't wait to mingle. (laughs) Please do, please. We will uh, take your hummus up and set it down, and we'll be up and talk to you shortly. Perfect. Thanks. All right. You know, Dan, every time I talk to Dara, I wish she had a podcast that I could listen to every week. We just have to convince her. I know. She's so great. Every time we talk to her, I just feel like I learned something new, and I feel better about myself in the process. Little known fact, and I don't know if we talked about this during that episode... Um, but she was very helpful to me when I was in graduate school. So she was a career counselor at the time and I think was mostly working with undergrads. Uh, but I definitely <laughs> sought out her office and she was uh, pivotal in helping me figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah, nowadays she spends a lot of her time 
uh, working with postdocs. And they're lucky to have her. And I'm getting hungry with the smell of all this delicious food wafting from the kitchen. I already ate a whole flan, so I'm all right. What do you need? <laughs> I'm still, uh, I think I singed some arm hairs on that uh, peanut oil earlier. Uh, you know, maybe we should just leave the microphones, get out of here, mingle with the guests. And eat some... oh, there's the door again. Uh, I thought I thought everyone was here already. Let me see. Oh, well, look who it is. It's Susanna Harris from PH Depression. Hey, Susanna. How are you? Hey, I'm very good. Josh and Dan, it's great to see you again. Yeah, thanks for coming to our party to celebrate 100 episodes of Hello PhD. Congratulations. That's so cool. Yeah, never thought we'd make it this far. So, Susanna, what have you been up to since since our episode? What's new in, in your life? Wow, it's uh, it's been kind of a whirlwind. Your episode helped us, uh, helped PhD Depression reach a really big audience, which was awesome. Uh, I've been getting back into research. I have my own undergrad again, which is so exciting. And just getting excited for the school year. That's fantastic. So what's new with uh, PH depression right now? What's, well, I see it everywhere now. Yeah, it's uh, it's really taking off. People have been amazing uh, sharing and talking about the video that I gave as well as just kind of the mission of the page. We have, as of when I talked to you last, now we have a much bigger team. We have an official website and it just keeps growing. Yeah, where where can people find, find that website? So the best place to find us is www.com thephdepression.com Great. Fantastic. And I assume in the Instagram is still going strong, too. Instagram is still our still our life force. It's still definitely my baby. So you can find us on Instagram or on Twitter at ph underscore d underscore depression. Fantastic. Well, I'm a terrible host. I see that you're carrying some things in your hand that I should I should relieve you of. What do you have there? Well, you can see that I brought in my own crock pot. Uh, that's because I brought pulled pork sandwiches. And I love pulled pork sandwiches. It reminds me of where I grew up. So I grew up in Iowa. And I love to bring pulled pork sandwiches. People can add their own sauce. They can do toppings. It's a good time, and there's always leftovers. So is this like North Carolina pulled pork sandwiches? Ooh, well, I do. It's a little divisive, so I usually bring it with no sauce on it, and I'll bring in the North Carolina style that's more vinegary, uh, as well as what I grew up on, which is more the Kansas City kind of a sugar tomato base. Yeah, well... I am a I am an omnivore of barbecue types. I eat it all. So 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 what kind of tip do you have for for some of our grad students who are here? That's a good question. I was thinking about it and the biggest thing that helps me keep on track is that I keep a bullet journal. And so something you can Google, uh, look up on your computer what all the fun rules are, but basically you make it your own. And the idea is that it's supposed to be both an agenda style journal as well as a personal sort of feeling style journal. And it allows me to, if I am excited about something, if I'm upset about something, I can just write that down in there. And at the same time, I, that's where I keep most of my calendar events. And so whenever, especially whenever I'm feeling stressed out or if someone and says, hey, could you do this on that day? Instead of needing to pull out my phone and checking through emails, I just open up my journal and I can see everything of how I felt to what I need to be doing. That is a great tip. Yeah. <laughs> how's that, how has that helped you the most since you started doing that? So I think the bullet journaling has helped the most because... Um, I always kept an agenda, and that was that was great in its own. But I think I would still I would have a calendar no matter what. I have to write things down. But where the bullet journaling is really helpful is a lot of times I'll get trapped in that cycle of feeling like I'm going to forget things. And what's nice about bullet journaling is you have a page that is for the month and pages that are for the day. And so I'll oftentimes have something that I think, oh, I need to get this done, but I can't do it today, and it will stay in my head. 
for a really long time. And instead, I just write it down in the month page, and whenever my brain is like, oh, you need to worry about it, I'm like, no, it's already written down. So... It's not constantly there, like... Yeah. Weighing on, or this feeling of walking around, like, gotta remember this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I think so much of the stress comes from the fear of forgetting to do yeah, something. I think you're right. So, I love it. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're totally welcome. This was fun. Thanks for stopping by the party. It's great to see you again. Absolutely. I can't wait to uh, hit 200 episodes. Dan, I'm going to have to lock the door. I think the fire marshal is going to come over pretty soon and uh, <laughs> kick everybody out. I think we're at capacity. It is very packed in here, Josh. But I wanted to take a few minutes and ask you about, you know, what were some memorable moments for you of the last 100 episodes? We've covered a lot of ground. We've been at this for quite a few years. And what, what stands out to you? I know, I know there's some perennial favorites, there are some popular episodes, but what, what sticks to you? You know, Dan, so in my job, I spend a lot of time working with graduate students and other science trainees, and I think a lot about science training and, and how we can make it better. I even, I even do research on, on science training. But when I think about my, my viewpoint on graduate school now, it, it blows me away. I've learned so much over the last three years from doing this podcast. And a lot of that, even the people who stopped by tonight, is just a small sampling of all the, the cool people and smart people we've gotten to talk to over the last three years. And, and that's just our guests. That's not even counting all of the listeners that we've either heard from through through email or social media or that we've even gotten a chance to meet. I feel like I have such a more well-rounded view of what it's like out there in the science landscape through all the people we've met and talked to these last three years. No, I totally agree. And the people are so diverse and so uh, interesting. Their backgrounds are so different. I mean, you know, we, we, but you remember we interviewed Nikki Spahich about her work on turning science into comedy like that was kind of an out there idea but it really worked we've talked to people who are doing science policy we've talked to people who are um, postdocs and trying to to improve science training and outreach for uh, underrepresented minorities like there is so much uh, so much creativity there's so much creativity there's so much variety in the ways that you can apply science and I think that's really been eye-opening for me yeah and, and you know I think it's really fortunate the amount of perspective we've been able to get from all these different people because I think it's easy for us and probably when we started you know this hello PhD journey three years ago we certainly had a viewpoint that was hey there's a lot of things you can do with a PhD but I would say that was a fairly abstract and vague understanding that that was true but now like you mentioned Dan I really believe that and I could and we could just go back through our episodes and name dozens and dozens of, of really cool ways that people are using their scientific training and really building upon what they learned in graduate school to do some really important and cool work. Yeah, and I've I've been so impressed with the people we've spoken to in their honesty and their vulnerability with us. So people who are, are coming on the show and talking about their own imposter syndrome, who are talking about their own depression, who are talking about their own struggles to become a faculty member, talking about ways that maybe they've been sexually harassed. Um, the, the really hard stuff that happens in lab, and it happens every day, just by having those conversations, I feel like it, it, it opens up the ability for all of us to say, okay, this is, this is going on, I'm not the only one, and I shouldn't feel bad. Uh, what we should do is change this system. And that's been really amazing to me. Yeah, and, and that was a real motivating factor for us to start the show in the first place. 
you know, I talked to a lot of a lot of grad students, Dan, and and we would have conversations as friends where I would share these things that that students today and trainees today are dealing with. And, and you would point out because you're you're kind of you've been out of the academic world directly for a little while, and you would say, "Well, that's exactly what we dealt with." And but we didn't have that perspective back then, and a lot of trainees don't. And and part of our vision for this show would be a venue to have these really hard conversations, like you were just talking about, Dan. That hopefully people will realize that they aren't alone in the struggles, um, but not just that they're not alone, but the work they're doing is very important, and we need them in the game. And, and they can get through it, and they can hear from maybe other people who have dealt with these similar things and, and some ways they got through it, and that there really are some great things ahead postgraduate school. Absolutely. Well, I am excited and looking forward to the next 100 or so episodes, Josh. It'll take us a little while, because every other week is going to take us a few years to get to the next 100, but I'm, I'm committed to it, and I think we can do it. I know we can do it, and... The thing that keeps us going the most, that has kept us going through 100 episodes, are you, our listeners. So thank you for just taking time out of your day to listen to this show. And to everybody who has shared the the link with somebody else or shared the podcast, who has posted it to their grad school listserv or told a friend about a particular episode because you thought it would be meaningful to that person, that is... You know, we haven't done really any advertising. It has spread because everybody who listens uh, and cares shares it with somebody else. So thank you to everybody who's done that. Yeah, we've said it before. We really thought in the early days that we would run out of things to talk about pretty quickly. Hadn't happened yet. And just right now, before we started recording today, we talked about at least five more episodes that we have queued up, ready to go. And, and and a lot of that comes from you. You've given us plenty of ideas, plenty of things that you want to talk about. And please keep those coming. So you heard it here, 105 episodes. That's over. <laughs> then we're shutting this thing <laughs> <It's> down. <laughs> We've covered every topic. There's just 105 topics for graduate students. But along those lines, Dan, and to take us out of here so we can get into this party, if you have a question or a topic idea, we'd love to hear it. You can email us at podcast at hellophd.com, send us a tweet at hellophd, or you can leave us a message on our Facebook page. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. We certainly love the feedback, and it helps new listeners find the show. If you'd like to support the show, you can become a patron. Simply go to our website, hellophd.com, and click the Become a Patron button, or you can visit patreon.com slash hellophd. We would appreciate the beer money or the champagne money. Rarely, very rarely. Maybe a hundred episodes from now. We'll do it again. Uh, And certainly, thank you so much to the ongoing support from our patrons. All right, Josh, we better get in there. I hear the party is getting a little wild. I need to get in there and check on things, Dan. I just saw Randy run by with a lampshade on his head. Sounds cool. We'll we'll see you next time, guys. See you next time. Congratulations for the 100th episode.